Right, welcome, Manny, to Under the Influence. How are you feeling today, brother? Yeah, I'm okay. Oh. You, you know, I usually suffer with a bit of anxiety at the best of times, but... Uh, Any yeah. anxieties today? No, it's all these smiling faces put me at ease, so... Yeah. It's not Steve Dinesh, I've seen him yeah. through Turning Point. First time you've met me, what were your first impressions? Yeah, I always warm to someone who smiles, so yeah, I'd say first impressions yeah, are positive. Impression. Sure. But talking about first impressions, Jazz, I met Manny um, probably over a year ago now, and my first impression with Manny is, you know when you, you're just inspired by somebody's journey in recovery, mm. that was it, like, we, we sat there talking, I think it was just a little introduction. And the introduction led to about two hours of sat there on the same show just talking. So I was just inspired by his whole journey from the beginning to the end. And I was just inspired by him and I've kept in contact with money on a regular basis um, since then. But his journey is just... Powerful. Yeah, it's, it, for, for, me, for, some, for, for me, who worked in substance misuse, I see money's journey sort of went through recovery off his own back without support services that are available now but then he's started to get involved in recovery support and he's now hoping to pass this back on to other people I've just referred him to become a peer, peer mentor he's going to be an awesome peer mentor I tell you that so Manny what, what, what has uh, how, tell, tell, tell me more about this journey I love it well really I've suffered with you know problems around addiction from an early age, you know, I was, I'm from a Sikh, you know, uh, cultural background and, you, you know, if I'm really being in recovery, I've had to dig deep to find out what my problems are, because I really believe it's masking the problems, people that are suffering with addiction. Um, I had a lot of weight of expectations on me, you, you know, to succeed educationally, you, you know, to be a family guy and... Really, from a very young age, I don't know whether it was a rebellion in me or what, but I was off. I weren't on that track, you know, and it just progressed, really. Um, so what was your drug of choice? You, you, you know, I started drinking, you, you know, as a teenager, you, you know, at the usual recreational parks. It's always a hotbed of iniquity or smoking and, you know, so I just progressed from smoking draw and... I started picking up heroin at 18 and I used to suffer with real social phobias and this has really stayed with me. I never addressed the problem and just, like I said before, just masked it over and over and it just became a solution to an underlying issue that I never faced. You, you know, I honestly believed because of all the misinformation that was around me for years and years. You, you know, I believed that, uh, <coughs> you know, it was a bit of fun that had gone too far, that I'd developed this habit. But, it, you know, somewhere along the line, the problem for me had switched from, you know, sphere of social interactions to the fear of withdrawal. And that's when, the, you know, I'd crossed that line, the talk of that dependency had occurred. So what, when did the alarm bell start ringing for you? The, the so you started heroin at 18? Yeah. So... You, you know, I've had... Really, to be honest, you, you know, they talk about hitting the rock bottom. I've had so many yeah. rock bottoms. It was never enough to shirk me out of what was going on. You know, I couldn't see it for what it was. 
you, you know, the consequences, I'm sure they're common to everyone who has suffered with an addiction. You know, I lost, you know, a wife, a home, you know, jobs. It, it all falls apart in the end. That's the power of addiction. But the really, the, you know, the real, you can say the real bottoming out was last April. My mum out was, she had an aortic aneurysm and the ambulance came. And I couldn't, I couldn't get in the ambulance with her to go to the hospital. And the paramedics were saying, just go with her, you, you, you know. And I, and I had to score. And that took precedence over the woman that's nurtured me, seen me through thick and thin. She's at death's door, plumbed into a drip, being taken away. And I couldn't get in the ambulance. Because, I said you, I'd, because you had to score? Yeah, because I'd started to withdraw. And that took precedence. And I knew... But this this has gone too far now. That really was the rock bottom. And how many years was that into your your journey of using heroin? Eighteen. So that's I think that's thirty-two years in. Thirty-two. Rather than thirty-two years, was it? Was you? Is it? Was you always no, using heroin? Pretty much. That was the staple diet. You know, it was just supplementing with other drugs. Yeah. You, you, you know. You know, yeah, pretty much that was the staple diet because that allow it. What happens is it normalizes so quickly, you, you don't realize it. It's not the buzz of the heroin you're chasing anymore, you, you're constantly below the normal level, so you need that to bring you to normal, yeah. And that was, you know, an intrinsic part of my day. I, I couldn't really function, basically. And that was the one for me as well. I think again, I know this, but. I think you've gone from using where you thought it was not an issue, a bit of fun, to then using because you thought, well, you need it, mm. to then using to, from smoking to injecting. You've gone through all of that phase. Yeah. How, how did that phase sort of, how did it go? It was just a gradual climb. I'd say it was a pretty... It wasn't triggered by any events, it was just what happened with me, it was like, you can say that the transition from smoking to injecting was, I don't know if it's a natural progression or, it was just what people around me were doing and the influence of them affected me. Um, it's a lot of influences as well in the, in the community of using, so it just... You meet, you, you start off smoking, and all of a sudden, you met up with a few other people that are injecting, and they say, "Have a go at this," and it just automatically happens without you knowing. Is that? It, yeah, it's not even so much peer group pressure. No one pressures you, but you, you know when you surround yourself with yeah. people, you can't help but have that influence of you. You, you know, and uh, you know, I can honestly say I wasn't a victim of peer group pressure. Oh, go on, do this. It was just seeing other people do it, and you know, it's like... And you, and you wanted to do that? And you wanted to, what was it, was it the effect, or you just wanted to be part of the crowd? The thing is, what happens is, that they talk about this, you know, the rate of administration and the rate of ease that comes, and going from smoking to injecting, that rate it really steepens the curve, you, you know, the... You can say the after effects of the dose, you know, it's instantaneous within seconds, you know, so it really was a quick 
solution as opposed to I know it sounds ridiculous in the grand scheme of things because you, you know there's, but when you're withdrawing you you want to you you want to take that pain away as quick as possible and when someone says do it this way it's a lot better and it's quicker and you, you don't waste any because being in addiction you you can't afford some days you just can't afford to lose anything I know you talk about forward like what was a daily spend because I know heroin is it it's well point one you buy for like ten pounds right yeah I mean. By the end of my addiction, I had about a, a sixty-pound a day maintenance habit, you, you, you know, and I was always good for it. You know, if I didn't have the money, I could run tick. You know, this is this is the trap a lot of people get into because I'm the sort of person that will get come good on it. You, you, you know, I'll either manipulate my parents, get the money off them, you, you know, or you can work it off. You, you know, if the worst comes to the worst, you will run around, you know, drugs at all hours and risk your liberty, you know. You will do that because that's the power of the, the problem, you know, addiction to these substances. You was always working as well, wasn't it? So yeah. You, you had yeah. a few jobs that were always... Yeah. Um, you, you know, there was the, st the stability of an income, you know, but, uh, you know, right or wrong, other avenues of you know getting money to avail themselves you, you know i don't really want to go into it but yeah a lot of the time it was a justification to carry on you you know you think well i'm working i'm paying taxes i'm not hurting anyone you, you know but it was all going into addiction you, you know there was never a time that I was working to enhance my life you know the benefits of me working were just destroying me and i couldn't see it but I was so, you know, wrapped up in it that I couldn't see it for what it was. You know, I really couldn't see it, the hold it had on me. And I was just, you know, clinging to this crazy notion that because I work, I'm not as bad as everyone else. So, man, you, you say, how, how, how many years, months clean are you now? I'm 16 months. 16, 16 months, months yeah. Um, how does that feel? I tell you what, I, I wish I'd done it years ago. That, that's the truth, that's the bottom line, you know. Without people like yourselves, all the team here, you, you know, I would never know. I never knew there was such a thing as recovery. I, I, I really thought that it's just a question of, you know, stop using, just get on with life. You, you know, and that's where I failed time and time again. I never knew that that was it. You know, that it, it's about addressing your underlying issues that cause you to... And, and you talk about addressing your underlying issues and, and you talk about working on yourself even today. And how is it for you today to get to know what, who the real Manny is? When you stripped away those layers, right? Right? How painful was that? You, you know, it's a work in progress, yeah. right, I have to say. And it, and it just fills me with joy today, yeah? That, you know, I'm not shackled to addiction today. It don't, it don't control me today. You, you know, and it really is. It's a powerful thing that I, I just didn't know it existed. Someone said to me, sorry, did I? Um, they said, describe your recovery in one word. And I come thing, and I heard other people, and the one word that kept coming up was freedom. It's this freedom that we don't have to manipulate. 
lie, be deceitful, you know, and we could just be honest today. And you can be, you can sit here today with us doing this part and be honest about your addiction. And while we're in our, in our addiction, all we did was just lie and, and dis, deceitful, manipulate to get that fix. Yeah, and that's and that's that point. We always we we know, and the people around us know we're lying as well. The people around us know that we're talking rubbish, but they just choose to ignore or choose to just nod their head and think, yeah, he's talking rubbish. I know what he's going to do. I guess you say that with, with your mum as well and your sister, your sister as well. Yeah. Um, I think your sister, you said to me like the amount of lies you said to your sister and then what you made her believe and what she did and the support she put for you as well. Yeah, that was quite hard to hard hit now, isn't it? The amount of times you had to do that to your sister. Yeah, it was it was terrible. You know, my sister is quite a pillar of the community. You know, she spent thirty seven years as a teacher. You, you know, in the city school as an English teacher. And yeah, it's kind of it's the power of addiction. We do what we have to do, and it's it's not good. And. Uh, yeah, thank God I don't have to live like that <laughs> I, I did want to take you back to your addiction for a second because before coming out today I read this email um, sent from our manager a few days ago and it was recently somebody who overdosed outside at Eldon Street and they were going into overdose and the team had to go out and give CPR a hit um, and give them naloxone and it was going to have tra traumatic that experience might have been. Did you ever witness anybody overdose or did you ever feel you was going to overdose? Did you ever overdose? Yeah, I overdosed uh, on one occasion. Um, thank God someone knew, you, you know, what to do to try and uh, revive me. You, you know, they knew how to administer the, the Narcon pen. Um, and they knew not to shake and, you, you know, to startle someone. Um, I have seen people go over, yeah, and it's fine. And that's that's one thing is to not make people aware that naloxone is available. N naloxone is an opiate receptor mm. and reverser. So naloxone comes in five shots, mm. and it's something that you have to give into muscular. Right. And um, you can give it five separate occasions, and that can and that is a life-saving bit of tool. Mm. Um, it's available at turning point. We give it out to everybody possible. Um, and it is a lifesaver, so it's always good to... Do you have one? Yeah, I've got one in my coat. <laughs> I remember, you know, it was like... It was like a token of... Uh, you know, a token of trust. When I left Turning Point, and moved on to the next steps. You know, the worker gave me one. And I really felt... You know, I felt... Even though it was such a small gesture, but I felt really warmed by that, that someone's placing trust in me to do the right thing for someone else if this ever occurred so yeah I, guess I when, do carry one but I guess when you reverse it and think about when you had to be when it had to be used on you your life was saved because of that how does that make you feel yeah it really makes me feel grateful really that these services are out there you, you know and uh, all power to turning point these these and the agencies that are out there because th these are real you know, real dangers for people, and uh, yeah, it's great to have people educated in these strategies to save people's lives. You know, and it can only 
go from strength to strength the more we practice it and get people into this way of thinking, you know, and placing people with a bit of trust to do the right thing when they make the breakthrough. It's, it's also it's always available. So my only advice to anyone who's around people that's using heroin, even if you're not around people that are using heroin, even if you use in a public car park or somewhere where you get an naloxone, keep naloxone with you because it, you can save somebody else's life. So just keep always and always have one in the bag. You've always got one in your pocket. So anybody around here is safe because we've, we've got that. Um, taking it again back to your journey. Um, I know you, you, you had several detoxes yeah. where you just flow over to, I think, was it parents or was it family members that thought, let's send you over to India or let's send you here and detox you. How, how did that come about and how was that experience? What it was, it was so much stigma within our communities. We don't want the family doctor knowing. It was always trying to sweep it under the carpet or keep it low level. Let's not broadcast it. And I did several, I'd often go to, I went to three detoxes in de-addiction clinics in Punjab and, it was, and you, you know both there dry out you, you know get clean and then basically the medicines are the same as it is the buprenorphine switch over or clonamine but I could never sustain it you, you know it was okay in India while I'm babysat the minute I'd come back here within that first three days I'd be using more often than not in the first day you, you know, and I, I just didn't know why. I just thought, I just ain't got the willpower to uh, stop myself. A lot of the time there's misinformation. You're, you, you know, the information just ain't, it's just based on, it's not factual, you know. Manny, what was the length of time you stayed in the, in India and the Punjab for these detox, uh, clinics? Uh, 12 days. 12 days. Just 12 days? Yeah. Uh, I've done 12 days. It was always detoxing. 12 days. And uh, I'd come out, I'd have family around me. And then I'd just be babysat from day to day. Mm. And, you know, but I'd be drinking. You, you know, and... Uh, so what did your family think about the drink then? Uh, if you, they, they thought... Was that acceptable? Yeah, because I'm off the street. For, you know, this is the insanity of our culture. But because it's that's their reward system to a hard day's work or everything's to be celebrated, a drink's okay. Yeah, yeah. The boy's good now, he's not using drugs. Have a drink, let's celebrate. So would you would you think that the, um, he was almost substituting the, the alcohol for the heroin? Because you were still getting a high from the alcohol. Yeah, very much so. Uh, you know, this um, concept of cross-addiction was occurring each and every time. And, and I, because of this misinformation and, you know, nobody was there to tell me what's going on. I didn't even see it for what it was, you know. And you talk of the stigma. Was part of the, the reason you went to the Punjab in India, was that because the family here didn't want anyone to know? Was, Let's just ship him off there, get him sorted, come, comes back, everything's hunky-dory. That, that was exactly it. Jazz, you had that as well, didn't you? you? I remember you saying you was not going to family parties and family yeah. night, I'm guessing. I, I never went to rehab, but my family never uh, shipped me over to India. But um, I had many occasions where I, I was unable to make family weddings, counterparts, you know, all the, the functions we have. But then anyone asked my mum, where's Jazz? 
oh, he's not feeling very well, he's at home, or he's at work. It was always covering you up, and it's almost, without realising it, they're enabling you. Yeah. You know, and if they'd been honest and said, well, actually, he's, uh, he's not well, he's drinking too much, so he can't make it. Or money, we've had to send money to India to yeah. detox. And that's one thing I see in, in, in the Gujarati culture, in all, all cultures in, in, in Indian cultures, is that we try to brush under the carpet. We don't want to, we're, we're more bothered about ourselves than supporting the person we love. We're always too bothered about, oh, let's, let, well, we can't tell anybody because they'll think badly of us. Well, who actually cares if they think badly of us? Let's think about the person that we love here. He needs help, he needs support, and we need to bring him in, we need to bring him out and get him engaged in the community things again so he feels that love. Um, and, and it just doesn't happen. We, we're just happy to ship him off and pretend it doesn't happen. But when I talk about detox and rehab with clients, I see, they are, I explain it in a really odd, strange way. But I think when you look at rehab or going to detox, going away, you have to, if you look, if you have a tree, if you have a tree that has no sunlight and no rain, it doesn't grow. If you decide to dig this tree up and put it to somewhere and give it all the sunlight and all the rain it needs, it starts to grow again. But then you decide to put it back to where it come from in the first place. Yeah. It's about the work that you do in between. I guess both of you have done this. You've you've, you've done the work in between since you've. You've, you've dug yourself up and put yourself in some life. You've done the work to, to be able to progress and move forward in, in your life. I guess that's, that's pretty awesome to actually, to feel that as well and, no. and to know that you've, you've gone through the hard work. No, that feels good and I, and I do like that analogy as well, but Manny, did you go to de- uh, rehabs in the UK? And you did, no, no, no. I, I was always thought I was, I, I didn't really want to put three months in, really. I mean, I did go once. Uh, I went to one in Derby. I went, it was like a Christian-based thing, and I went there one night. I met some random guy, and he said, I can help you, and we discussed this thing, and he put this programme together. And I went there on the Friday, and I was on the train back Saturday. You, you know, and it's... You, you, you know, these people really, th- and I couldn't do it. And my sister booked me once to go Barry St Edmunds, there was uh, Abstinence 12, I think it was called, and uh, I, I didn't even get out of the starting blocks. I, I just, I, it was like you said, the denial was there, and I, I just kept thinking I can do it on my own. I don't, I'm not doing this. So how did you do it? Well, the rock bottom, like I said earlier, was... Um, my mum nearly died, and uh, I went to Canada, because I knew if I'm there, out of the way, there's, there's no choice, and, you know, such a, you know, big country, you can't just walk out and go walk somewhere in school, it's not a small island. But this is, this is where the inspirational story come from, uh, that the, the Les moment when you went to the needle exchange, even though he was going to go to Canada, he went to the needle exchange before he went to Canada, thinking, well, I'm getting ready for when I get to Canada. So that would be interesting for Jazz to actually hear about how that come about, because that still sticks sticks in my head. Yeah, that, that really was the big, you know, that, that, that was a pivotal moment, really, in that, you, you know, I had like three days to go, and I went to get clean works, and... You know the good thing about Turning Point, they always suggest, have you ever considered treatment? You know, they give you the form to keep a diary of what you're doing. And I said to the guy, well, 
this is what it is really. I'm, I'm booked to go to Canada. And uh, do you think I should do it? Is it possible for me to, you, you know, go? Would you recommend it? And uh, I just went in there for work. And he started talking to me. And I thought, you know, and he gave me some advice that you can do it. You know, and it, you know, the withdrawal won't get any worse after three days, you know. And I was in and on in, and, you know, and I, the, the days were ticking by, you know, and I kept using, kept using, and I was saying, you know, if I use right up to the departure day, what will happen? He goes, well, you, you're still going to have to take that step, you, you know, if you decide to take it. So I used right up until the day, and then I just, that allowed me to get on the plane, and once I was on the plane, that was it. it was too late then. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I was gone. No return back. Yeah, I'd gone past that point of no return, and I had to carry on with the journey. And uh, yeah, it was difficult. How long were you in Canada for? Six weeks. Six weeks. Six weeks, and it, it yeah, it weren't easy. Did you use that? No, yeah. I, I didn't. I couldn't get away. I was babysat. Uh, you know, a lot of my family, they're doctors there, so uh, they eased me, you, you know, they put my mind, they used to come and see me, but, yeah, I had to put in the hard yards, and, uh, you know, the beauty of the turning point, you know, the guy said, you know, when you come back, come and see us, because we can get you in treatment, and at, even at that point, I thought, yeah, I'm all right. why do I need to go there, but they were saying in Canada, you know, this ain't the end of it, really, you, you because they're very well versed in how addiction works over there. They've they've seen it time and time again. They said, you you, you know this ain't you know this is not the answer now. Just because you're off it, you, you know you really got underlying issues to deal with. And they made me do the referral to Turning Point, so I self-referred in Canada. And then I made that got a letter through, and I came back. And you know, thank God for someone directing me to. So, so Places like Turning Point and people like Dilesh from the Asian community supporting you, it does help, doesn't it? it it's massive. You, you know, like Dilesh pointed out, you know, a moment ago, that, you know, our community, they just want to sideline it. And the thing is, it's, it's very hard for us to know what to do, for, you know. And when you see, you know, someone from that background and they can point you in the direction, it's a great thing, you know, it puts your mind at ease that this guy knows where I'm coming from. And the thing is, like you said before, that they want to pigeonhole you into that, you're the naughty one, you know, this is bad, this is wrong, you're, you know, we're going to sort this out for you. No, it's, a, it's about being open and, you know, it's, it's not, it's a problem, not, you know, you, know, you don't have to be criminal, criminalised or, you know, having that negative yeah. forces or you're ostracising you as well. Exactly, that's exactly yeah. the word. Correct me if I'm wrong, I think there's one part of the journey I remember from it. Did you actually land in Canada? Would you get to Canada and you was aiming to get heroin as well, wasn't you? Yeah, it did cross my mind. Yeah. Yeah, on the journey. You the know, I landed at Pearson, yeah, Toronto, and uh, I had to get the train to my uncle's. And, you know, I had to go through downtown. I had to, and, at that moment, I thought, look, I could get out of here because it, it, you know, it's not too hard in a major city, and uh, I didn't. Uh, I mean, I, you know, it really, you know, it was there. You, you know, I felt that urge, 
you, you know, but I just, I just battled on and thought, what have you come here for? Stay how many more years? But something, there was a force there that didn't allow me to veer off the path that I'd chosen by then. Manny, um, I hosted a programme on the Seek channel called Alcohol and Beyond. And I, I genuinely do believe, not because I host it and because I'm on that, and I do believe if programmes like that, talking about it openly and freely, has encouraged more people to come forward. Talking in the Godwari and holding recovery meetings in the Godwari has helped people come forward. What more can be done in our community, in the Punjabi Sikh community, for people like yourself and me, alcoholics, drug addicts, um, to come forward and, and, and seek help to reach out? What, what, what can we do as a community to encourage more people to come out rather than them feeling um, ostracised or them feel being, you know, felt like criminals or down and outs and, and being labelled? And that's what we're good at. I think a crucial part of it is, and it's difficult, is trying to educate people that this is a problem, it's a real problem, it's not. It's, it's not a simple solution, you, you, you know, it's a complex medical problem and we need to tell, get, there is help out there. You know, we need to just educate people that live with other people that suffer with this addiction. And, and that's a very important thing, I think. People don't realise that it is a disease, addiction is a disease. We spoke about this as an emotion-based disease, right? But it's also a disease that affects the family. It becomes a family illness. And until the family is educated, I know it took my mum probably four or five years to actually realise that actually that you wasn't doing this on purpose, that it is a disease. Five years into my recovery, my sobriety, right? So what do you what what do you think, you know, is the best way forward to educate the families as well as encouraging addicts to come forward as well? Would you like to feel this one? Yeah. My personal opinion, there is services available there. Someone like Manny who's went 30 years without engaging in any treatment services, without actually going on a, a substitute script. So if he was to refer himself to his treatment, if he was ready for change and when he was ready for change, he'd be see, he'd see a doctor, he'd be prescribed either methadone or buprenorphine, he'd be seeing a worker on a regular basis. The worker can then refer him on to other services if needed. He'll be getting the support physically and mentally, and just the guidance. Yeah. There, there's so much available for them in the Sikh community as well. Um, we have poppy seeds. Yeah. The um, the poppy seed addiction is a huge. It's growing as well, isn't it? It's growing, and, and, yeah. and we're seeing so many people come into treatment to have to change, but they're not aware that this is. We're treating treat the same as somebody for poppy addiction as the same as heroin addiction. It's the same medication we prescribe, but once you are on a script and you're ready, I think the ready is a big word, there is opportunities to change and make that, to, to do that development. We also, I'm, I'm a part of the rehab and detox team. There is available abilities of going into rehab and, and detox, and there isn't a cost to it as well. Um, the service do pay for that and, the, and they do support you through that. So. My overall aspect of this is, is once, you, once you're aware yourself that you want to make the change, there's services available out there to give you the medical support and give you the emotional and physical support as well. Um, when we're talking about targeting our, 
communities ourselves, our cultures ourselves. You guys are the guys in the Gurudwara. <coughs> you guys are there the ones see it. You guys see the community. But talk about your community. Where, where do you think the need is? Where do you think I can benefit? Where do you think I can support? I think, I think between us, we're doing. This is helping. The, these podcasts are going to help. The TV work's going to help. I think the main me, the mainstream media is picking up on things. We've done stuff with the BBC. Um, other outlets are doing it as well. So I think a lot of good works coming about now and I think it's just it's, it's to keep the keep the continuity going and not, not just it's something that's going to have to be done on a regular basis it's not something that you can just do once and then um, sit at home for six months or a year and think well I've done my bit it's just going to be have to be continuous this work has got to be it's got to be continuous Manny I just want to ask you you know uh, before we wrap up um, you're going to do a peer mentoring and um, you know to be 16 months into recovery and for the opportunities of peer mentoring people now that must feel really good yeah it does you know I've received so much help and support over the last year you, you, you know I feel not duty bound I really want to you know give something back because of the, you know I've seen myself flourish over this last year and it's like, you know, it sounds, you know, a bit of a cliche, I feel reborn, but I really do that I've sort of evaded life, you know, for that long. I, I never knew what life was. And, you know, if I can open someone else's eyes to it, it's not a bad thing. I really do feel I'd love to, you know, allow other people to experience what I've gained from it. This is one, one thing, I'm sat here with two super inspirational people that Jazz and Manny, both of you have, have helped my work, my job to become so cheesy because you know there's a need. You know there's a need and you know there's people that want support and need support. Um, and and you've, you've helped me to go out there and target these areas and target the good as well. And work with you. It's, been, it's been a pleasure, but Manny's gonna be a, an unreal peer mentor. Um, Jazz, you continue to just you've got to take over the world one day with, with what you're doing and, and I, want to be a, I want to be a part of that tagging along with you so let's just keep continuing what we're doing and hopefully Manny finally finally uh, Dillish has been too kind to me then I'm going to change the subject uh, but no Manny seriously if there, it, uh, no doubt there is going to be addicts listening to this listening to your story and you speak so eloquently and um, and you you know, you've got not knowledge of um, addiction and recovery now. Um, if there's someone that's listening who's in a very dark place, what would you like to say to that that one person or many people that are struggling and and are where where you were 16 months ago? There is help out there. You, you know, don't give up the hope. There there is there is help out there. And it, and it takes a leap of faith to reach out. It's not, you know, but there is. Anyone struggling, there is help out there. And I'm sure um, Dinesh could back me up, but I'm not. That you work in the field professionally. Um, and yourself, I mean, we're all living testament that recovery does work, you know. Just, just in this one building, we've got, we're in here at Stairway, the Stairway Project, who's thankfully let us use the building today. And they do the aftercare, they do the recovery support, which is something unique to the city. Something that once we finish in treatment or once they've got the support, 
there's always this. Once you've gone to rehab, once you've gone to Canada, once you've come back and you want you want to engage in somewhere that's focusing on recovery, you've got the Stairway Project, which is based here, Leicester, wow. and uh, as a hub in Leicester, we're, Leicester and Leicester, we're really looking to have so many services available. Manny, is this the first time you've ever spoken of your this sort of in this forum? I know you go to meetings and talk in other um, groups. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah. It's, how, it's how do you feel? How's it made you feel talking about it like this? Yeah, it's quite um, liberating. Yeah, you, yeah, liberating is a good word. Um, yeah, I, I feel like it's a positive outcome because if someone can gain something. It's it's got to be worth it, you, you know. And I, yeah, I'm all ready to help anyone that's you know suffering out there because I know that it's a big black hole, you, you know. But it can be, it's not unattainable. You can climb out of it with people's help. Manny, so. I just want to say, you you really are an inspiration, and like I say, you speak with great passion for your recovery. Um, you have a huge desire to help other people, and the Seek Recovery Network would be honoured for people like you to support us because what I know the phone calls we get people just like you that are struggling with heroin coke crack alcohol poppy seeds and, and, and we need people like you champions like you to, to support those who are struggling and you Dilesh as well you know the way you do with Turning Point I know from that's your day job with the hours you put in how to work hours right for your community and beyond the community right it's phenomenal and it's because of people like you that, you know, mothers have got their sons back, wives have got their husbands back, and kids have got their fathers back. So keep up the good work, guys, and we'll be doing more work with you. So just finally, finally, one question. What would you say you're under the influence today of? Life. Wow. Dilesh? Love. <laughs> it's love. It's, it's all love. The people yeah. I'm here with is just, just, just love. Right, there we are. That's it. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks, Dimitri.